Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome in to a Friday episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj, July 30, 2021. As always, you can find more of my content and episodes um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon, um, many, many platforms to listen to my content. Uh, please do listen and share. Um, you know, help me out a little bit more <laughs> if you can. Um, as I, you know, look to get it going um, a lot more in the coming month. So uh, stay tuned for all those, uh, all those, uh, you know, episodes and things that I'll get into. Looking forward to that for sure. So in today's episode, we're gonna recap a couple of things. Um, the NBA draft uh, concluded yesterday, and obviously a lot of teams selected potentially, uh, you know, franchise stars. Hopefully, most teams uh, were active, busy with, you know, trading picks, moving down, to, you know, the draft. Um, Saw quite a bit of movement. We also saw a big, big trade also go down, uh, which I will get into a little bit later. And I will continue to get into all of the um, like draft results and players that I think I really like teams picking and ones that I think that were a little bit questionable. Uh, I may get into that probably either today or on Monday's episode, but I will definitely touch on all of those prospects and what their potential could be uh, with their new new teams. But I do want to start off today's episode just talking a little bit about college football. I know it's been a while. I had talked about, um, you know, a lot of anticipation for the season, obviously for college football. Um, obviously, a lot of teams recruiting, getting... Um, their practices in obviously, obviously schedules are out games are out you know it's going to be a uh, more of a normal kind of college football season particularly because there will probably be more fans allowed uh, we won't see so many division games we may see some non-conference matchups as well so it's going to be exciting nonetheless and um, something that recent uh, has come about um, in college football and obviously, the whole expansion talk has been there, you know, obviously expanding the playoff field, possibly to 8 to 12 teams is definitely going to happen either in the coming year or next year or beyond that, but it's definitely coming. Um, and a couple of teams um, are looking now to move into another conference, and uh, that is what I want to talk about is... The Oklahoma Sooners, the Texas Longhorns, um, will be joining the SEC conference um, in the next two to three years, potentially. It could happen earlier, um, but these schools would have to pay a lot to get out of, uh, you know, the Big 12 conference that they have been in for years. And the whole thing now is, in the world, this. How will this, um, you know, be? How will the whole like realignment look for the SEC for the Big Twelve? Um, you know, for those who don't know, I mean, Texas and Oklahoma have been uh, two of those like top teams in terms of the Big Twelve for years. I mean, there's been some classic games you know, called the Red River rivalry between 
Texas and Oklahoma, and they have dominated the Big 12, or let's just put it this way, Oklahoma has had a lot more success than any of the teams in the Big 12. Now, there's been some years where some teams have made some noise and made a run at it, but for the most part, Oklahoma has been there um, at the top, and this move from the Big 12 to the SEC uh, has got a lot of ramifications. You know, one, you look at it for a while, ever since the college football system has been introduced, um, you know, you've seen the strength of schedule, the quality of opponents matter, and Oklahoma, Texas, uh, there are two teams that, you know, have been in the mix. Obviously, Oklahoma has been obviously more in the mix, and they've obviously been in the playoff system. Uh, but it's been tough to get in, and it comes down to obviously strength of schedule, the quality of wins, um, how do you fare against your non-conference opponents. And I would say for the Big 12, they've been overlooked at times um, because of, of the competition that they face, you know. Um, and I think Oklahoma and Texas are looking kind of change that narrative um, by getting out of the Big 12, uh, which, you know, there will be some schools left, probably six, seven teams left, who will have more opportunity um, to get into the playoffs potentially but the way that the system has been in college football at the playoff system the SEC you're always going to see the SEC uh, represent really really well and that may be the case um, going forward is because the SEC you've seen there's just better competition there there's a lot more of I mean Alabama LSU Auburn uh, there's a lot of schools, a lot of top-notch schools. I'm obviously one of the best in the, in, in the country. Um, you know, Oklahoma and Texas making this move, sure, is definitely about money as well. There's no doubt that that is definitely a factor into their decision to move out the conference. But also the fact that, you know, being able to compete in the SEC with more schools, with more better competition... It's going to provide a lot for these athletes. Now, let's not also forget that ever since they've passed the name, likeness, and image rule in college football, a lot of athletes are already starting to make, make you know, you know, profit off their own name, their likeness, their brand. And so, going to the SEC conference, which is one of the most recognized and established conferences in college football, I mean, Oklahoma and Texas may need this, and they may need this in terms of getting back into the national title contention. In the Big 12, I mean, you really couldn't take any team seriously. And maybe still not, it will be the case as well. Like, in the Big 12, you think, like, no, those teams are just offense-related. They can't play defense. They can't compete with the big big ones. But now, Oklahoma and Texas, in the years coming up, they'll get a chance to compete against some of the best schools in the SEC conference, whether it be, you know, in the East or West Division. They're going to get a chance to compete, show what they got, and these programs are going to be able to, uh, you know, obviously, a lot of these athletes will get a chance to even, you know, see how it is and even be able to transfer out certain schools, get certain situations. So, you know, I look at that and, I mean, it, it is a big move um, that Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma doing this 
made um I guess a lot of sense because they've already been like you know really good in the uh, last couple of years they've been close and now they want to be part of a bigger conference conference which will have much better competition uh, in terms of like victories and uh, head-to-head matchups Oklahoma may be taken more seriously um, in a lot of uh, you know games and they you just want to see competition you want to see great competition and in the big 12 I mean you see high scoring affairs you see all those and, and that's great love to see that but you know, SEC football is talked about a lot. ACC football is talked about a lot. The Big Ten is talked about a lot more. Um, so, I think with Texas and Oklahoma, I mean, Texas has been struggling for a while to get back into the mix of being a title contender. Uh, now they get to go to the SEC where they may be able to, you know, maybe rediscover themselves a little bit, get um, more better in terms of recruiting. I mean, it's going to be a huge, huge difference. Um You've just seen the kind of success the SEC has had, the talent that it's produced. Um, it's going to be much better than the Big 12 um, in terms of likability, you know, marketability. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma are really going to benefit in the long term with this. Uh, the whole question is now, you know, can they elevate themselves to that level of contention? You know, can they be in the mix? Because you want to see these two teams be in the mix. Uh, you know they have talent there, and recruiting-wise, it will be a little more competitive in the SEC. So, you know, if Nick Saban is still coaching uh, for years and years to come, you might see some great head-to-head matchups. Uh, rec- recruiting battles will be much more challenging. It'll be more fun. Um, overall, you'll just see a lot of great uh, competition for some of these athletes coming out of high school. You know. And we know how good of a recruiter that Lincoln Riley is, and what he can do with talent at his disposal. So, I mean, overall, Kashapol is moving into a really new direction. I mean, not only will there probably be expansion to the Kashapol playoff system, um, but there will also be changes within the SEC conference. You know, certain teams that, um, you know, we're in the mix last year. We're gonna are gonna face some more quality opponents in Texas and Oklahoma. You know, Florida obviously can't be forgotten about the Cassie season they had. You know, so to me, Oklahoma, Texas going to the SEC conference in the years to come. If it, if it happens next year, it'll be great. Um, but when it does happen, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be huge for the SEC. Uh, they're gonna be a really um, must see kind of conference. All the games that may happen between these teams will be great and you know it'll just be create a lot more excitement more suspense as maybe these two teams if they recruit well and get better in the years to come can maybe challenge an Alabama and LSU or Florida um, you know um, but it's going to create a lot more intrigue because we know what's been happening in the SEC for the past year it's been dominated by Alabama and now potentially with these two new teams, Oklahoma and Texas, in the mix in the years to come, it'll be more wide open. It'll be more wide open, and it will definitely get to see a lot more uh, suspense and not the same kind of monotonous kind of thing that Alabama has been putting forth um, in the years. They they dominated for a while, and they'll continue to dominate. But you know, a lot of teams hopefully will be able to recruit better and give them competition in that, and then it just comes down to 
how will these teams stack against one another you know that is the whole thing to watch out for so uh definitely going to be exciting for that as for the big 12 conference to be honest they're going to have to really find a way to keep themselves afloat because when texas and oklahoma do leave the conference uh they're gonna have a tough time um being in the conversation for anything their only chance would be is if the college football expansion does happen and the more teams are allowed i mean the championship game is going to matter the championship game is going to matter like obviously we've seen it what happened last year uh i mean some of the championship games are going to matter some of the you know head-to-head matches are going to matter um so the big 12 i mean they have a long road ahead now how do they uh you know figure out to get more teams to come back into the conference can they stay afloat and be confident because oklahoma and texas were the biggest draw you know and now since those two teams are going to be you know departing the conference I mean, the Big 12 is going to be probably more wide open. You'll probably see a lot of other teams, like some of the lower Division I uh, schools, you know, like a Kansas State, a Baylor, um, you know, be in the mix, um, which will be good for them as well. But uh, in terms of, like, the conference opponents and all that, they're going to have a tough time um, getting any attention. But let's see what the Big 12 commissioner does do, what, what kind of things that he can do to kind of, um make this make the big 12 conference still be big you know like that's that's the best thing i can say about the the big 12 is that you know they've had quite a run and they've been in the conversation for the college football playoffs here and there but with texas and oklahoma going they're going to lose a lot of marketability and attention recruiting will be a lot more tougher probably um there in the big 12 or a lot of players may not want to come to those schools and play as much and it all depends on what does the Big 12 do going forward, how they position themselves by the end of next year, and that happens. So, uh, looking forward to it. Obviously, a lot of names will definitely continue to come up. Um, it does seem like it is pretty much done in Oklahoma and Texas to uh, the SEC conference um, by 2025, maybe earlier, depending on how things go. Um, but the landscape of college football is changing. I wouldn't be surprised if more teams and, you know, like more teams out, out of the top five conferences, you know, more teams may join. You know, it, it may very well happen. You know, you just look at the Big Ten, you look at uh, the ACC, you look at uh, the SEC. I mean, there's just so many. The top conferences that are there, you know, those ones are going to receive a lot of our attention. So, like, a conference like the American Athletic Conference and the other ones, I mean, it's going to be challenging for some of these other conferences to get in. Um, you know, the Big East, for example. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if more teams out of the non-top five power conferences try to join some of these ones because that may be the, the only way to... Uh, get themselves in the college football playoff picture. So that'll be interesting to watch is which other teams may consider a move, moves to the, to the big conferences, you know, and will it will it, will it work out? Will they be able to 
um, make it happen. And will we see even more realignment in other conferences in the ACC, in the Big Ten? Um, you know, there's a lot of changes coming for sure. And Texas and Oklahoma um, are ahead of that right now as it stands going into the uh, next college football season. So in this next segment, I want to just recap uh, the NBA draft a little bit, as well as get into, um, you know, a trade that went down, which will definitely shake things up next year in the Western Conference. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens the rest of the way with free agency coming up, and then obviously the start of the normal season, possibly in October. Maybe that'll be the case, um, as it has been for years, you know, starting right around the October end-ish, you know, so should be interesting to watch how things develop. But look at the NBA draft yesterday. Uh, there were obviously some trades that went down, some teams swapping picks before him, like the Pelicans, um, you know, Pelicans making a trade with Memphis, you know. You had the Cleveland Cavaliers acquire Ricky Rubio. The Thunder kept dealing picks and stuff like that. You know, so there was a lot of movement in the draft yesterday. Or I would say prior to the draft. And even during the draft, there were some moves like the Phoenix Suns getting Landry Shamit from uh, the Brooklyn Nets. You know, the Knicks kind of moved down couple of spots after most of the most of the talent that they were looking to get kind of passed on them so and there were a lot of interesting you know, trades that went down within the draft yesterday um, so what I'm gonna start with is the teams that I think really missed the boat um, with their draft picks yesterday now I'm not gonna go through all the teams and you know you know pinpoint and all that I'm going to pick about three to four teams that I feel that really missed out or didn't do a good job, I think, in their draft selection. That's not to say that these players won't be really good in the NBA, but based on what these teams needed and got impact they needed to make, uh, I'm going based on that in terms of what they really needed and what could have been a better solution or better alternative at that draft spot. So... The first team that I think really missed and really kind of took a big risk on their uh, draft pick and may have made a mistake, in my opinion, Toronto Raptors drafting uh, Scotty Barnes from Florida State. The Raptors had the number four overall pick, right? Jalen Suggs, um, probably the best point guard, in my opinion, after Kate Cunningham was available. You're the Toronto Raptors. Kyle Lowry may not be there next season. Okay. Fred Van Fleet has been a nice story, but, you know, in terms of rebuilding and getting younger as a team and getting a player like Jalen Suggs would have been much better than Scotty Barnes. Because, in terms of, I mean, Scotty Barnes has a long way to go. Obviously, he's a rookie from Florida State. He didn't really play whole lot of elite competition this year and he's got a lot of 
consistency issues that he has to develop. I would have taken a point guard at the fourth overall pick on the Toronto Raptors. I would have drafted Jalen Suggs, uh, paired him with Van Fleet, you know, because of the ability to shoot and be an impact player right away. With the draft pick of Scotty Barnes, more of a project to me. I don't think he'll be a day one starter. And the Raptors, if they wanted to be back in the conversation in the Eastern Conference, they needed an impact player. I think they really missed out on one last night. The second team that I think really missed out on their draft pick and took a took, took a chance, and it may not work out as well, is the Spurs. Taking shooting guard Joshua, um, I don't know, is it Prime or whatever the name is. I'm not being mean or anything like that. But uh, the Spurs took a shooting guard that I felt that from Alabama who uh, was decent, not bad, but I think that they could have went with a couple other shooting guards um, at that spot, you know. I think they, they could have done done much better than taking uh, Joshua, I think Diamond the name is, Joshua Dime. Um, you know, someone who obviously has, uh, you know, some potential, but in terms of how he fits with the current guards that the Spurs have in place, I wasn't really impressed by the Spurs picking that player up. I think he'll do well, but it'll be over time. And, you know, I think that he'll have a hard time getting playing minutes in San Antonio. You know, they needed a, a, someone who could start right away. I don't think that... Um, Joshua Prime is going to be able to start right away. I don't see that being the case. Um, you know, they should have went with, uh, you know, another player. Uh, I think um, there's one player that went after, um, you know, I think it was after Suggs, like Moody, um, shooting guard. I think he would have been a, been a day one and more better player at that spot. The third team that I think really uh, should have done better and kind of missed out was the Golden State Warriors. Now, they drafted two players that are decent, are young, have talent, but Golden State Warriors had two picks in the top 15, top 16. I mean, I was expecting they were going to find a way to get up there and, and get a better player. Um, they could have made a move up to the, up the draft. Uh, they need some quality shooting, which they didn't really, didn't really address, in my opinion, with these picks. And they're going to need better production uh, from their bench. And I don't know if these two players were the best ones to go with, considering how we've seen some of the things that are going to happen with the Ghost State Warriors this year. I mean, they're going to pretty. They're going to have. Steph Curry, hopefully Kai Thompson back at some point. Um, but the window of winning a championship for the San, uh, for the Golden State Warriors, I mean, is it open or is it closed? It's hard to say right now. And based on their moves, they could have easily found a way uh, to get some quality starter or player, maybe either by trading down or trading up. Um, but they had the assets to, you know, do one. Obviously, they didn't want Ben Simmons. That was pretty apparent by the report. I feel like Golden State could have done better in this draft. I mean, they got two players that are decent, not bad, 
but are they gonna be there in the long term? Is the question. And I think that they were gonna, they're gonna end up trading these assets. Then you know they should have done it, you know, much earlier. But then again, they picked what they picked, and hopefully it works out for them. But they got a lot of young talent, and they got, you know, obviously they got the core players there in Curry and Thompson and Green. Question is, can they still compete for a championship in the Western Conference? And I don't see them being able to do that based on what they've done so far through this draft. I think they'll have to really do something in the free agency period um, to change their outlook um, towards a championship coming up uh, next NBA season. And finally, the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, they traded up to number 10 and they took Zaire Williams, who is a decent shooting guard, but he's very inconsistent. There's a lot of things that have to go right with Zaire Williams uh, to be a solid player for the Memphis Grizzlies. And I think they could have drafted Corey Kispert from, from Gonzaga, a shooting forward who had been able to step right in, give you outside perimeter shots. The Memphis Grizzlies need shooting. And with Zaire Williams, it's very inconsistent. I'm not really impressed by... What I saw last season, based on the t- you know, the film, the kind of game tape that like they were showing during the coverage, I mean, he has a lot of things that he could do right if it, when it all has to click. And the Memphis Grizzlies could have bet with someone better, I think, in, in that spot. They need more shooting. I mean, we've seen what they they really lacked was a lot of good perimeter shooting. Um, and the question is now, can they? find a way to keep Zaire Williams you know in, uh, more consistent going forward that'll be really important for their chances at uh, having a better run next year in the postseason as for the teams that I believe uh, did do a good job and, and really hit on their picks I mean obviously the Detroit Pistons is number one taking Kate Cunningham was a no brainer I mean Kate Cunningham is going to really uh, bring out the best of that young talent that's already there last year in Detroit and maybe he'll be able to really put on a show in terms of being a t- dominant scorer getting his teammates involved the Pistons did the right thing by taking Kate Cunningham definitely going to be an impact player day one for that franchise I think they'll be really really good the Orlando Magic I think um, really uh, made a solid pick yesterday with Jalen, getting Jalen Suggs. I mean, I think his leadership is going to be huge for this Orlando Magic team. I think they're going to get these guys playing hard. Uh, his defense is really, really solid. Obviously, coming from Gonzaga, uh, and his speed and his ability to stay energized and get his teammates going. I think Jalen Suggs will do great in Orlando. Washington Wizards getting Corey Kispert, as I mentioned, that was a player that I really think that um, was a, was a solid player, and the Wizards getting Kispert was good because after the trade that they made, surrounding Bradley Beal with all the talent that he can get is very very important, and keeping him there long term, um, and I think that they addressed that not only by getting Corey Kispert. But by also getting some draft picks, getting some players that are going to really um, help the wash, uh, help the Wizards really be better next season. I think they'll be more competitive enough 
to challenge for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. And finally, the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets had to address the shooting guard position after the James Harden trade. They got Jalen Green from the G League, a solid player who can really do it all. Um, he can put on the show, he can, he can jump, he can leap, he can score from different angles. Uh, the Houston Rockets definitely got a player that hopefully will be able to re-energize that franchise and help Stephen Silas in year two. So now that brings me to the big trade that took place yesterday. Um, and it was a trade that honestly I did not really see coming. But more and more the reports started coming out of this trade and it finally happened. The Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook. Um, with the Washington Wizards, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, a draft pick to the Washington Wizards, Westbrook now joining LeBron and AD in LA. Um, man, what a big time move um, that the Lakers made here. Now, the Lakers could have been patient and waited it out. For free agency to see what kind of market would have developed for point guards, but they clearly felt like they had to address that right, you know, not right now. And we know what happened to the Lakers. Obviously, the first round playoff exit, the disappointment that they had, the injuries that LeBron James, Anthony Davis both had this season, it took a toll on this team. And a lot of players were unhappy with their roles, Kyle Kuzma especially. And the Lakers decided to, you know. Just trade it all the way, get get rid of the players that they felt like they just could not hold on to anymore, and getting Russell Westbrook at a point where Russell Westbrook has been on a lot of teams in the recent few years, but despite all that, Westbrook has been really dominant in terms of just being able to you know facilitate, score, averaging a triple double. He's do- been doing it all for the past few years. I've been a scoring champion. Um, and what he brings to the Lakers, to be honest, on paper is the ability to distribute, to be able to provide them that speed, the energy of, of attacking the rim. Lakers sorely lacked that last year with Dennis Schroeder. Now they have that. So, you know, it may turn out to be a really good thing that they got Westbrook. But the one thing about Westbrook, and everybody knows, is that his shooting on the perimeter, his jump shot, they're being consistent. So the question is, how will he adjust with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? You know, will he be able to get it done? Will he be able to get it done? You know, because it does come down to perimeter shooting. It comes down to perimeter shooting and the ability to, you know, thrive under pressure. And so, you know, Westbrook, LeBron, AD, all of them did get together and meet before this as per the report so they're all very aware of what they have to sacrifice their egos I mean we know that Westbrook can be ball dominant LeBron James can be ball dominant but I think for this to work the Lakers will really have to I mean all three of them Davis LeBron Westbrook all really have to commit uh, to feeding off one another making it work, switching positions. And LeBron James is at a point in his career where, I mean, he's handled the ball a lot. 
And now, if he gets to play off the ball, it'll give him time to rest and be more better. And we saw what kind of toll it took on him last year, kind of handling all the point guard duties and being there. You know, so it just really comes down to how well does LeBron and Westbrook can they get it together? You know, can they can they stay um, can they stay together? Um, and be on the same page and they have to be on the same page you know Westbrook obviously has been so great individually um, and everybody knows like you know he likes everybody always says that notion is out there about Westbrook but he's a, he's a stat stuffer he's got you know he, he can't really win I mean KD left this left you know that left so now he goes to LeBron James now you know it's really uh, interesting. I mean, obviously, Westbrook coming home, you know, coming home to LA, UCLA connection there, right? But the whole narrative of Westbrook is that you know you can't can't win with him on your roster. You know that's what everybody keeps on saying. What happening in Golden State? It's not Golden State, Oklahoma City. You know, in Houston with Bradley Beal, they really didn't have a chance to you know make it work as as well. So now it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And so Westbrook is going to be definitely on the spotlight to see how much can he sacrifice. Can he still be productive enough where he can help this Lakers team compete for a championship next year? Um, to me right now is a wait and see. I want to see how the Lakers finish out the rest of their roster. Um, but in terms of spacing and all that, I mean, it's going to be difficult for the Lakers, no doubt. I, you know, right out of the gate, when they do start playing, I mean, the, the dynamic between LeBron, AD, and Westbrook will be a challenging one to see how they navigate through all that. Now they're willing to make it work per the report. You know, they're all willing to, you know, take different positions on and, and you know, accommodate. And so the question now is, can they all be on the same page? Who take take the last shot? You know, all those things are going to be. Uh, talk about, talked about in the Lakers, you know, for the next NBA season, um, but no doubt they give themselves a, b- a better shot in terms of you know head-to-head matchups against the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, the Lakers have a big three of their own now in some ways, and the whole question now is can they can they win this way? Can they win this way with Westbrook being the way that he is? You know, will we see a much smarter Westbrook with LeBron being there, mentoring him a little bit? You know, it's going to be very interesting to watch how the Lakers first finish out their roster. Who do they surround their roster with? Because Kyle Kuzma, Montrez, Harrell, goes, they go to Washington, right? And obviously, they didn't really pan out as well. They get a fresh start there in D.C. Uh, KCP goes there as well. So the Lakers are going to need some shooting. They're going to address some depth. So they're not done just yet. How they finish their roster in the free agency period will be something to watch. Um, but no, no doubt the start of the next NBA regular season will be very interesting to watch as a lot of teams will be healthy, ready to go. And the Lakers uh, with Westbrook, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. Whew. Let's see what this trio can do together. It's definitely going to be... Um, they're going to be a favorite no matter what. Uh, in the Western Conference next year, um, but we can't sleep on Phoenix and Denver, uh, especially the Clippers. 
if they keep Kawhi Leonard and, and re-sign him in free agency. 